My name is Isabella Johnston, the Intern Whisperer, and our show is brought to you by Employers for Change. And today's tip of the week is about the halo effect. We always want to acknowledge where we get our information from, and we are acknowledging that they come from built-in. So thank you, Built In, for having these great tips about unconscious bias. So we're going to talk about the halo effect, as I said. This is a tendency for people where they have to place another person on a pedestal after learning something impressive about them. I'm sure that, you know, we all know that, oh, wow, I didn't know you were that person. That's amazing. I just, I am sure you're like the best speaker there is that I've I've ever heard. Things like that. So this is a tendency where people have to place another person on a pedestal just because they're really, really impressed with them and they're wanting them to just realize, oh, I'm very impressed. The halo effect can come into play at any stage of the hiring process. You may see a candidate that's you know, done considerable amount of work. They've been highly regarded by a company or they've graduated from a late schools like, oh, wow, you graduated from Harvard. That's amazing. And if there's anything that we've learned about the 2019 college admission scandal, it's not to judge a candidate on the merit of their name brand education. So how can we avoid the halo effect? Um, we just need to make sure that we recognize that it can be dangerously blinding when it comes to reviewing candidates. Just because somebody has that on their resume, Harvard, or whatever the school is, or whatever that GPA may be, or the fact that they speak five languages, it can be avoided. So when reviewing a stack of applications, you're probably looking for something unique that makes a candidate stand out from the rest. When you do this, also consider the candidate without that one gleaming attribute and see how their experiences, their skills, their personalities compare to other candidates who may not have had the same privilege, privileges or opportunities. So just remember, we are all the same on the inside. We all have gifts to bring to the table. We all have areas of growth. And just acknowledge these people, you know, that are just like all of us. Welcome to the Interim Whisper. Our show is all about the future of work and innovation. So welcome to the Interim Whisper. Our show is all about the future of work and innovation. And today's guest is somebody I've been trying to get for a long time, John Cunningham. He's the newly appointed COO with BRARA Association. I know I threw that association in extra. Um, John has a rich 30-year history of leading and serving in multiple roles. I always like to lead that somebody is a veteran. So thank you for your service, John, in the Army. Uh, he is a consulting technologist, a thought leader, and he is a seriously sought after speaker. He is the one of the pioneers in the XR and AI industry, and he helped organizations such as the U.S. Department of Defense, Army Corps of Engineers, Lockheed Martin, NASA, Siemens Energy, and the City of Orlando, and he helped implement AR and VR in their operations. And he previously worked with Unity, Aruba Networks, Motorola, HP, and Verizon. John, you are just like everywhere and you are just <laughs> doing so much good work. I love that so much and I'm thrilled to have you here. Well, thank you, Isabella. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on your podcast and sorry it's taken so long, you know, to to join you. It's just been really really busy this year. Mm. So, I am I know the feeling. I know the feeling. Um, so tell us about yourself in only five words and why yeah. those five. Okay, so the five words is actually a little bit of a sentence. So it's always looking for new challenges. And and the reason I, I chose that is because I look back over my 30 plus years career, and that's really been what it's been all about. From the military into technology, I've always been looking for the next challenge, the next thing that's going to, to push our industry or organizations forward and, and looking for new ways that I can can add value. Mm, that is very true. And you're so sharp. I always love having conversations and hearing you speak. So, you know, I I, I always learn something so much. Um, I would love to get like, how did you get started? What was your career path? You sure. know, where did you go for school? And then where are you? How'd you get to where you are now? Yeah, I mean, that that's actually a very long journey that I've taken, but it, it all started with me wanting to get a college education. 
Um, I knew that I wanted to be in computers and I knew I wanted to be in the army because my father was in the army and I, I was given an army RTC scholarship to attend Florida AM university. And I completed the RTC program, became an army signal officer, thought I was going to spend my whole career as an army officer. Um, I deployed to Germany and then uh, deployed to, to desert storm and Somalia and a few other things before I decided, okay, this isn't what I want to do with my career. I, I got married to uh, a wonderful woman named Sarah, who I met at FSU. She was a student at FSU when I met her and we got married and decided, okay, I'm going to get out of the army and then we're going to stay, we're going to travel globally. So I ended up living overseas for 23 years, always opening up new markets for companies. I, I lived in Africa, the Middle East. I lived in, in Asia for 12 years. Um, before moving back to the States. Um, but my whole career has really been in technology, either on the government side and the defense side or working for private organizations, um, opening up new markets and, and creating new products. Mm. That is like very succinct. So you have done, like I said, so very much. Did, did, you, did you see that as a career path that you actually wanted to pursue? I, I did not. I, I, you know, I think, uh, you know, how many of us at 18, 19, 20, 21 really know what we want to do the rest of our lives? I, I think we have ideas, but then life happens, right? Mm -hmm. And when life happens, decisions get made for you or you make decisions or choices. And then those result in different paths that we take. Mm -hmm. So I, I knew that I wanted to be in technology. I, I, I remember my first computer was a Radio Shack TRS-80. And that's where I learned how to code. And I, I got my degree in data processing. So I always knew that I wanted to be in technology. I just originally thought it would be through the Army my whole career. And 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 by the way, even though I knew Army career, that wasn't going to be a lifetime. That was going to be maybe 20 years. It ended up only really being four, four years. So I, I think, um, you know, it's, it's okay for people not to know what they want to do with the rest of their life. Life is a journey. Mm -hmm. um, but you do need to develop skills, you know, find something that you really enjoy, that you're passionate about and, and get skills in that that can can make you, uh, you know, that you can help you earn money or make a career. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite takeaway that you learn from each of these types of, you know, really rich experiences? You work with yeah. big companies and then, you know, you've gone into this other route of being in a professional association, which is a global thing also. Yeah, you know, the thing that I've taken away from all these experiences is um, I, I love, you know, ne never give up, right? Never give up on your dreams. Always try to improve yourself. Always seek challenges and take the take the hard jobs. Take the jobs or the, the projects that people don't want because that's where you're going to learn the most. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I get you it. Know, and then you ask me, yeah, I think you also asked me for a quote. Um, and, and this is this is a this is a quote that that I really enjoy. I know it may not be popular with a lot of people, but the quote is from General Patton. Oh. And he said this in World War II. And the quote is, lead, follow, or get out of the way. Oh. Now, now, and 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 a lot of people don't like that because General Patton was a somewhat of an abrasive individual, but no one can argue the fact that he got things done. Okay. And so, you know, that that quote means, you know, be a leader but also know when it's time to be a follower and let mm -hmm. other people lead. And if you can't be a leader or follow, then move out of the way and let other people lead or follow. Yeah. And he was I, a direct I, communicator. Yeah. And I think that's the, the spirit of it. You know, it, it it's so, you know, so often people want to get involved and in, in do things, but they, they, they don't know when to lead or to follow. And sometimes it's best just to step aside and, and let other people do that. So that's, that's a quote that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the hardest lesson that you learned that changed your life? Oh boy, there's a whole lot of them that that have changed my life. But one of the hardest lessons that I've learned is that um, I can't do it all. I, I can't do it myself. You know, we we all need other people. We need to be able to give up something to get something, and and sometimes that's that's very hard to do. Um, so yeah, that was probably one of the hardest lessons that I learned. I could not agree with you more. I think that, you know, we're, well, first off, I don't think, I believe we're made for a relationship, mm -hmm. um, just like what you're saying there. We need each other. But yeah. I think that people, 
It's so interesting. Little children, you have kids, right? Yeah, yeah, I sure do. Kids are do not hesitate to say, hey, I need help. But adults don't like to say that. That is absolutely true. For some reason, we, you know, we've been conditioned that it's weakness to ask for help. And I actually think it's a strength if, if you can ask for help the right way, right? It's not just, hey, help, help, help. It's, you know, I need assistance or here's a vision or or how do we do this together? I think that's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's what we need to remember. I agree. Totally. I love this. I love this interview. It's going so well. And it, I feel like we're on the same page here. How about what are you most grateful for? Uh, well, um, I think I'm most grateful for the relationships that I have in my life, my, my wife and my children. Um, you know, as you go through life, you realize that it's hard to make old friends, right? You can't make old friends. You can make new friends, yeah. but those friends that you've made earlier on in your life, you know, treasure those, nurture those relationships. But, you know, for me, what I'm most grateful for is my family. Mm. And, you know, people will always kind of come and go, right? We know that oh, yeah. that definitely come happens. And, go. And, and that's okay, right? People coming yeah. and going, okay, and enjoy the moment, you know, nurture those relationships and understand that sometimes paths go different ways and that's okay. Yeah. I kind of feel like people are placed in life in different, whatever direction that you're going, whether it's careers, right? We have a lot of friends from, I'm sure you had friends from army days, but you may not see them as much anymore. It's same as all of these really great places that you've worked. Do you have a preference as to enterprise and, or the small indies? Because you get to work when you were with Unity, you worked with a lot of small startups. Yeah. You know, um, look, both, both, both of those, let's call them organizations, large organizations, small organizations, businesses, universities, you know, they all have different, different characteristics. I think um, I've, I've enjoyed all of them. I've learned something from both of them. Um, And and today where I'm kind of at is I enjoy working with large enterprises that want to do new things and use this new technology, XR, AI, uh, you know, web three technologies, because they can have a tremendous impact. I mean, you mm-hmm. can you can change a trajectory of a large business if they can do it right. But I also really enjoy working with startup companies and emerging technology companies and organizations that maybe are a little bit past, past startup and they're ready to scale. So, um, you know, I, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm not going to choose just one at this point in my career. I, I'm trying to find ways that I can help, you know, different organizations in many different ways. And that's why the VRA Association and also the Space Force Association gives me the opportunity every day just to be involved and continue to learn and give back. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Um, separate. I love military questions. So, what is the <laughs> best thing that you got out of the military? And how long did you say you served? Well, I was four years what they call active duty, and then I was mm-hmm. also in the reserves because I, I owed another four years after I got out because of my scholarship. Um, and there's an obligation, you know, the government pays for your college and you sign that paper, you owe eight years of your life, um, at that time. I don't know what it is now, but, um, but, you know, I, and I had three, three different, um, opportunities to support combat operations in, in desert storm in Somalia and in Bosnia. And so through those experiences, you know, I learned a tremendous amount uh, of, about people. And about how people operate under stress and in good times. And a lot of those experiences have have really helped me um, in my civilian career. Mm. Very true. So let me come over here. Who in your life has had the biggest impact and why? Um, I would say my wife, Sarah. She's had the biggest impact. And I think it's because... Yeah, you know, when you're in a, when you're in a, I mean, I've been married 32 years now, right? So there's a lot of experience there and nobody knows you better than the person you spend the most time with. Mm-hmm. And, and she holds me accountable. You know, she, she's one of those people that kind of can cut through and, and, and knows me and can hold me accountable to myself, um, which is hard. Sometimes it's a hard conversation mm-hmm. when someone calls you out and says, wait a minute, you know, this is, this is the way it really is, you know, or, or knows you back when you were a very different person. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and so I think, you know, having someone that, that holds you accountable and, and, and genuinely has like, she genuinely has my best interest at heart to help me continue to grow. 
Hmm. I can tell that your wife is everything. I remember the first time I met her, she is just such a lovely woman. And you mentioned about being accountable. I love that you pointed that out. Sometimes people don't like to be held accountable and they don't want somebody to say, hey, I'm going to tell you the truth. But you <laughs> yeah, don't get me right. wrong. I, I don't like to be held accountable, but yeah. I, know it's good. I know it's good for me. <laughs> yeah. And you know that if somebody loves you, they're really going to do that, right? They're really going to do that. And that's why, you know, those those deep friendships that go way, way back are, are very important later in life. You know, and I and like I tell my my two sons, um, I have I have two sons. One's 24. He's a second lieutenant in the Air Force. Um, and I have a son, second son who's a sophomore at the United States Air Force Academy. So I'm wearing my Air Force dad shirt, my proud dad shirt. Um, and they're five years apart. But we always told them, listen, you two can't fight. You have to resolve your differences. You have to be friends because later in life, you know, when mom and I are gone, it's going to be the two of you. And so we've really tried to make a, a big impact on them to, to nurture that relationship and make sure that they find time to continue to, to build on their relationship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what do you want to be remembered for in your life? Oh, uh, wow. Um I think I just like to be remembered by my my family as being uh you know being present being there to help them. And I think in my career I I really don't know. I think it's just, you know, that I tried to help a lot of people in business be successful. Mhm. Mm Many times um you know, I find that as a, a really good question because it makes people stop and think, you know, like, like, oh wow. What is that impact because it's always about leaving impact in the world, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I, I don't think you really think about it until later in life. I mean, I think when we're younger, we're so busy trying to do things that interest us or improves our lives or pursues a passion. But I think as you start, you know, kind of getting towards, a you know, the, past the midpoint of life, you start like thinking about more seriously, OK, you know, what is this all for? What's this all about? You know, and and those of us that, you know, have children, you, you look at them and that's really your living legacy. Right. The, 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 the gifts that we give them, the skills that we help them uh, develop and then watching them go off and, and be their own humans. Mm -hmm. Do you consider yourself a teacher? Um, I don't consider myself a teacher, but I think it happens um, when you start getting experience and you realize that people younger than you want to learn from those experiences. You by default become a teacher. Yeah, I think that in life, we just about all are. We don't even realize it um, because that collective wisdom is what shapes us from people yeah. that were ahead of us. And we're doing the same, too. Yeah, no, I mean. I, I I look back at everything that I've experienced and there's always been people ahead of me that have shared their experiences, their insights and their knowledge with me. Now, whether I chose to accept that or use it is a, is a different thing, but it's it's been there. And, and that's something I, I encourage young people that are just, you know, still in school or starting their career out. Um, Find those people that have gone down that path and, mm -hmm. and learn from them. There's a quote I heard from someone one time that really stuck with me. It said, in life, you can learn things two different ways. One, you can learn through your own experience. Or two, you can learn through other people's experience. It's generally a lot less painful to learn through others. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? so true. It really is, right? So so no, I think I think, and that's why I think mentoring programs are are so important. Um, I'm involved in in Rotary. I've been a Rotarian for 12, 15 years, and one of the programs that I'm most proud of that Rotary has is youth mentorship programs, where you know experienced business professionals are able to share their experience and knowledge with with younger Rotarians who are still in school or just have come out of school and started their careers. Hmm. How um, do you see now you raised a good question. There's like Rotary, there's Elks, there's Moose, these other organizations. I remember them also. Do you yeah. see that young uh, is also pulling in a younger demographic? Uh, you know, that's a very good question because we're, you know, I think I think we're struggling. You know, a lot of these services organizations say the same thing, that they're really struggling to to get younger people interested. And there's many reasons for it, 
But I think it's incumbent on these organizations to try to meet younger people where they are and try to let them know that, hey, we're interested. We want to help you. But, um, you know, there's there's also it's up to the younger people to kind of seek out organizations that can help them grow. So I think it's a, it's a little bit of both. But, yeah, we're definitely, you know, in today's age of of media and always on entertainment and, and things like that. We're finding it more challenging to get younger people interested in service organizations. But I I don't think it's because younger people are less interested in, in service. I think it's quite the opposite. Oh, yeah. I, I think there's just so many ways for, for people to get involved and get engaged. They no longer have to go to Rotary or to Elks or to Masons. So I, I just... I think it's all changing a little bit, but but what I'm really excited about is when I go around Orlando, for example, and I see on the weekend, I just see young people su- supporting and serving and helping and, you know, and, and that's fantastic. So wh- whether it's through a, a formal organization or through a, a faith-based organization or through just some folks getting together, wanting to do good things, I think that's all fine. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, So we're going to take a break and acknowledge our sponsor, Cat5 Studios, and we will be right back. The Intern Whisperer is brought to you by Cat5 Studios, who help you create games and videos for your training and marketing needs that are out of this world. Visit Cat5 Studios for more information to learn how Cat5 Studios can help your business. Thank you, Cat5 Studios. Now we're back to the second half of our show, and we're going to talk about the future of jobs and industries in 2030, 2035. I know this is going to be like one of your probably your favorite things to talk about. Yeah, right. Sarah. Yeah. So what do you think? Now, this is just an opinion question. What do you think 2030 will look like? Because basically, we know that's about like five years because 2030 doesn't count. This year doesn't count. So we're looking at really a difference of like about five years there. Oh, well, first of all, I don't think that much is going to change in five years about how work looks. I think the pandemic clearly caused us to rethink the workplace and work, what work means to us, as we've seen by so many companies that, you know, um, where, where workers were able to work remotely and they've chosen that that's how they want to to spend their time. And then we've got, now we're at this point where um, we're starting to see the evidence that in some cases, pure remote work doesn't work for some organizations. It works for other organizations. You know, th- th- there is no one answer. Um, I, first of all, I, but I think in some businesses where you have to do physical things like put hardware and software together to make a product. Healthcare. Healthcare. You, you can't do that all remotely. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be up to individuals to determine their lifestyle, how they want to pursue their profession. And if they do want to work purely virtual, what organizations support that? Um, But I, you know, I don't see it changing much in five years. I think new technologies are going to come on board that's going to enable more productivity. Uh, I mean, obviously, AI is already impacting some areas of of business. It's going to, it's a super powerful tool that can help both individuals and organizations be more powerful. We're going to see more extended reality technologies, you know, like the the VR uh, the VR headsets and maybe mm-hmm. augmented reality glasses that bring data to the worker wherever they are, whether they're a frontline worker on assembly line, whether they're a doctor or a nurse, or perhaps whether they're a, a, a pilot, a policeman, or a soldier. Those technologies are going to be used to improve human performance at the at the workplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't in five years, I don't fundamentally seeing things look much different than they do today. Gotcha. Well, what about okay, robots? Because we talk yeah. about robots a lot. And for me, I can see that they're like when you were mentioning career paths that are like outside, the people that fix, you know, electrical, you know, street lights, anything that's electricity, I could see that moving more towards robot. Oh, I, I no doubt that robots are going to play a role in our society and doing jobs that are repetitive, dangerous, um, you know, and don't require a great deal of human interaction. Uh, they're going to be tools that we use to to make our lives easier, better and safer. No mm-hmm. doubt about that. Um, 
and and so you know i mean when i was growing up we used to watch the jetsons and there was this dream of having the made robot that would do everything in the house well mm-hmm. look that it's probably not too unrealistic in the future i mean i have a roomba here in my house that is constantly cleaning our floors which is great because i don't have to pick up a vacuum and my wife doesn't have to pick up a vacuum as much we still have to use it every once in a while but that's going to just continue to get better right mm-hmm. and then in the workplace i mean you you know one of the things that really has me excited is robotic drones um the ability for these flying drones to go do things like inspect power lines inspect power plants inspect pipes you know they're doing stuff that is almost impossible for humans to do or very difficult and very expensive mm-hmm. uh, so so we're just going to have to get deal with this co cohabitation with robots doing some things and i and i know that scares some people and and that's okay i mean there needs to be boundaries but um you know look look where we're at today with the car imagine asking great grandparents you know to if they if we were able to take our great grandparents and bring them into our society of today what they would think mm-hmm. right and i think it's the, it's the same thing with robots you know, there was this thing, um, it was several years ago, where Chernobyl, they had robots that were going into that um, that radiation. Yeah. It's still, you know, radioactive. And they would send robots in there to go and test it and see, you know, <laughs> what can still live, you know, inside of there. Yeah, I know. I used to work for Carnegie Mellon University at the Robotics Institute, and they're the ones that actually built those robots that went into the Chernobyl nuclear reactor site. And I, and they actually have one of those, not not one that went, but you know, they built multiple models. They kept right. one at the institute to show people, you know, a living example of this is a replica of the robot that went in there. I mean, that's fantastic, isn't it? Right, the fact yeah. that we use use technology to go do something and not put people in, in harm's way. I, I mean, we're starting to see. Go ahead. Was there was there something that happened to the robot though? Too was there some kind of um, decay that had happened? Oh yeah. To- oh yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, look, you, you're going to put a, a machine in an environment like that. Yeah, you're not going to bring it back out because it's going to be contaminated. But there's going to be mechanical failures. I mean, we look at, you know, we look at the the spot robots that you see at all the trade shows, you know, the ones that look like dogs. Yeah. And they um, walk around. Yeah. And, and look, you put cameras on them. I, I remember I remember during the pandemic, Singapore deployed those those spot robots out in the parks during COVID. And all they did was the, the dogs would the robots would go and see if people were closer than two meters, six feet. And they would go up to them and, and give them a message. Please separate yourselves. Mm-hmm. Right now, it was a public service uh, thing, but you know how how valuable is that? I mean, that showed a real world example where you didn't have to put a human going out and and reminding people, uh, you know, to hey, you need to separate right now because we're in a dangerous time. So, um, what was the outcome of that? I didn't see that. So, how did people react to it? Do you know? Uh, people, well, first of all, ask yourself this question: If you have, if, if we're in a park and I come up to you and say. Isabella, you, you please separate yourselves. You're going to look at me and you're going to be a little bit grumpy, right? It's like, hey, yeah. what do you tell? But now if this this four-legged machine comes up and just says in a nice tone, you know, please be reminded you need to be, you know, six feet apart, you might receive it a little bit differently. And and what I what I saw the outcome was people were very receptive. They knew that it was a public safety thing that this was being done for their benefit and they didn't have to interface with the human and potentially have a, a negative engagement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can see robots doing a lot of things that would be really good work. I don't know if you've ever seen black mirror. I assume you have. Yeah. I've, I've seen, I've seen some of the episodes. I They're like a cautionary tale to me. It's like, Ooh, this is what can happen if you don't do things right. And the world of AI and robots and, ARVR. No, I I I definitely think that we need to be cautious. We need to have right oversights on technology. Um, because there are people out there that have different interests in using technology, either right. promote their own agendas or for harm. So we do need oversight. But um, mm-hmm. but I think the benefits that a lot of this technology brings us just makes our lives better. 
Mm -hmm. I saw in 60 Minutes, it was on October 8th. That was my birthday, so I can remember it. But um, his name is Jeffrey Hinton, and he's the godfather. They call him the godfather of AI. He invented it back in the 50s. It was way, way back. And he he had said, you know, we do need to make sure we're being... Um, I'll call it good guardians and exhibit stewardship around it because if we don't, it could go bad really fast. Well, but it's like that with anything, right? I mean, if we don't yeah. control big businesses, they can become monopolies. It, yes. You know, it's just exactly. But look, I I I have it's funny because I, I graduated college in 1989 and I have a minor in AI. And um really? I remember yeah, yeah. And I I mean we were we were using languages like Lisp and Prolog to do best path analysis for different things. And you know, when you're a student, you know, you, you're looking at, oh my gosh, the future of the world and how what I'm learning today is going to help. That was over 30 years ago. And we're just now starting to get into the stuff that we were thinking about 30 years ago. Like, mm -hmm. can we actually teach machines to do this or can machines learn themselves? Mm -hmm. So um you know, I would I would encourage students that are that are studying these different technologies to dream, to dream about what are the the possible good use cases for the, for the technology, but also dream about what could go wrong if it's not properly controlled and managed. Yeah, I love that advice. I think that's the best advice anybody should take from the show so far is the fact that curiosity, don't be complacent. Don't just sit there and, you know, go to school yep. and have people spoon feed you. You need to be questioning constantly and be curious and and just wonder is this a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, and you know, I I you know, I often get asked to talk to students and give advice and and things like that. And here's what here's what I the best advice I think I give is you own your education. Your learning journey is yours. Institutions, teachers, they're there to help you. But you, at the end of the day, you own your journey. And 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 so take it. Take it like it's a life journey. Learn everything that you can, things that interest you. Also, um, you're going to have to learn things that you may not like and may not interest you. You may not see why it's relevant that I have to learn algebra now. Mm -hmm. Believe me. Um, some of that stuff you may not use in your job, but the fact that you know it and understand it uh, will be important. Um, I'm taking a course right now, and, and this is something I, I put out on LinkedIn. Um, I, I absolutely believe in lifelong learning. I think that you know, being curious about things and wanting to learn is just part of our, our life's journey. And I, and I always try to tell my sons that. It's like, okay, you finished your, your undergrad now. It's time to start thinking about your next degree or certification, but, you know, always be improving yourself. And so I have to set the example. So a few months ago, I signed up for a space professional certification program. I remember you posted that. A lot of work I'm doing right now is in, you know, the space industry is, is booming, haha, uh -huh, pun intended, but mm -hmm. there's a lot of opportunity in space. And I really felt uh, ignorant when I'd be around a lot of these space professionals talking about Leo and Neo and satellite vectors. And I did not understand that. So I'm like, okay, I have to go learn that. And I, I, I said, where's the, where's the best place, the fastest place that I can learn what I need to know. And I found global space university and I signed up for the space professional certification program. It's been phenomenal. I'm learning a whole lot of stuff. However, in that course, we had to calculate how to move satellites around and how much thrust was needed. And they actually gave us calculus problems. And I, and I had to admit, I haven't touched this stuff in 35 years. I had to go do, I had to ask for help. So mm -hmm. I had to, I actually called my, 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 my kids up and said, can you help me understand this? And they said, dad, here, use this tool on the web, just punch it all in. Yeah. <laughs> but point is um, understanding how the math behind it, what, what are the decisions that engineers have to make. I, I didn't have to know how to do all the math. I just had to understand how math was used to get to a decision about what angle to launch a rocket at, how much fuel you have to load. Once it's in orbit, how do you change the orbit? Mm -hmm. It so, makes it so much more conversational, right? And 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 I think that's what learning is. And 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 the wonderful thing about learning today is you don't have to go to a college or a university and sit in a traditional classroom. You know, you can go learn through YouTube and 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 Khan Academy and just just 
unlimited resources mm -hmm. out there to learn things. You don't have to take a structured course. Now, if students are watching this, I'm not saying don't go get degrees. Degrees mm -hmm. are absolutely valuable. You know, certifications and credentials is how we show society that we've we've passed a certain um, series of, of examinations. I mean, like in a company, um, if we needed to hire Unity developers, for example, I can't tell whether Unity developer knows Unity or not, but if they have a Unity professional certification, I know that, okay, I know that that certification requires that they have to pass these um, these these things. So th that's why those certifications are, are important, I think, still. Oh, yeah. I agree with you. Certifications are also a, a faster way to be able to demonstrate your knowledge. And, yeah. you know, you can definitely build on top of them without having to, I don't, you know, I was an educator and still am, but I don't think school is for everybody because like a mm -hmm. traditional four-year degree and two years, I think it's a good thing for sure. Because yeah. Yeah. you I learn think, a lot about yourself. Well, and, and, and I also think um, I had this conversation recently with one of my sons that that um, I'm concerned that we're getting away from teaching under uh, liberal arts yeah. because I think oh, the liberal arts it helps us understand what it is to be human, to appreciate music and art and sociology and philosophy. Oh my gosh. Understanding. If you can understand philosophy, physics, chemistry, and psychology, you can pretty much understand how the world operates. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I agree. But I, but I agree with you, you know, you know, formal, let's call them school, college, universities yeah. for everyone, uh, you know, but I do, I do think that people, especially since our society is getting more sophisticated, um, that you need to have a good baseline of, of a number of different subject areas, um, and, you know, and, and otherwise what happens is you might want to change your, your professional career at some point because you're, what you're doing is is not in interesting you and then it's harder to transfer over. Mm, very true. So I know we talked about, you know, remote and blended work. Totally. I get that one. What about AR and VR? How, how fast do you think it can actually become affordable for people to use on a yeah. daily basis? Well, it's affordable now. So, I mean, if you, if you have your phone and you're using some of these shopping apps like Walmart or Ikea where you can look at your furniture and then hold it up and see it in your room, or you can do a try on of sunglasses. That's augmented reality. It's built, it's built into our phones today. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people think augmented virtual reality, they're immediately thinking these, these bulky That's headsets. Heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Well here. Okay. So here's, here's what, what I tell folks, this is not about the goggles. <laughs> this is yeah. not about the glasses. This is about information and data following us as we go through our daily life. Some of it's going to be visual. Some of it's going to be audio. Some of it's going to be kinesthetic, right? We're going to have wearable technology that does things for us. Our, our Google Maps, when we're driving or Waze, tells us to go left or right. So the, the big where we're at today is we're at the beginning of the next revolution of the internet, which is the real-time 3D internet, what a lot of people call Web3. We're there. We're, we are there. It's being built right now. The next 10 years is going to be a, a big construction period. But um, the, the headset technology is going to get lighter, faster, cheaper, um, to the point where they're going to be sunglass-sized things or they're going to be embedded into construction helmets. Uh, we're going to have audio guidance. Um, so that's all coming. Um, oh, yeah. But what's important is that behind it, it's the systems that are able to, to understand contextual information and data and get it to the users in the way that they need it. Mm -hmm. okay. I think you raise such a good point because most people don't think about, oh, it is being used in their phone. I know that last year I went to, two years ago, actually, I went to the Future of Ed, uh, ed Tech mm -hmm. a conference and they said, okay, everybody pull out their phone. And I knew this was, this was coming though. And they said, okay, download this. And they said, use Google. We're going to search for cats. And there was cats just swarming all over the floor. Now, if it was like, you know, raptors or something like that, that could have been terrifying. But, you know, cats are super, you know, nice and friendly. 
And I don't think that most of us realize that we can actually access it right through our phone. Yeah, you can access it through your phone. Uh, and then every day, new headsets. I mean, Ray-Ban and Meta just teamed up and they've come out with the new Ray-Bans that have some augmented reality capability built into them. Uh, it's going to be really exciting. Um, you know, anybody that hasn't seen Ready Player One, I suggest mm -hmm. go see the movie Ready Player One. It is really a far-fetched, um, futuristic, you know, worst case view. But if you look at what's going on in Ready Player One and, and how data is being presented, I don't think that's too far-fetched for us here in the next decade. Mm. You know, uh, I am, I have not seen that movie now based on your recommendation. I mean, other people have said it, but you're, you have a different influence in my life. So I'm going, okay, I'm going to go make sure I go watch that movie. Yeah. It's um, you know, matrix is a good one too. Um, but, but yeah. ready, ready player one really touched me. Cause I went, wow, this, this could actually happen if not controlled, but once again, it's there. There are some good things in there that I I know companies that are already developed that are already putting out there, and and that are going to be that are going to help us. So mm -hmm. yeah, and I think Ready Ready Player One is not a new movie. It's been around for many. It's been years. around for a while. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. What did you think about here? We just had last week, and just so our listeners know, when they actually hear this, we're talking about in October of 2023, you know, just predicting it's going to be a year later soon. Um, we had the Meta Center World Global um, Event. Global Week. Yeah, the Meta Center Global Week. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys were a big part of it, you and Nathan. And Nathan has been a guest on the show, Nathan Pettyjohn. He's the head of um, ARVR. Uh, but, you know, you're second in command. So you guys are really um, helping guide what these conversations can be. I love everything that you've been bringing up because for the average person, I don't think that they know what's going on. So you're going to be able to expand the conversation. But 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 going to that event this week, I saw Sony, I saw Google, I saw Meta, and they were all sharing technologies that were truly amazing that I hadn't seen before. So you know, is there something that's coming out that you think or that was at that conference that's worthy of sharing to the listeners? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, we're, we're, you know, I've been interviewing folks and asking them, are do they believe we're at the tipping point for XR? Mm. A tipping point being Malcolm Gladwell's definition. That's when something spreads like wildfire. And I think the overall consensus was that in certain industries, we're at the tipping point and, and mm -hmm. healthcare is one of those. You know, healthcare is an industry that is ready for disruption. This technology can help everyone from nurses and clinicians to physicians to patients. And so I think we're going to see a lot of XR technology in healthcare. Defense, it's already been there for a while. It's going to continue to grow. Um, and then you're going to see, you know, virtual reality for training in all industries because it just makes sense. It's just so much more efficient. To, to put on a headset and and do training rather than sitting there looking at a computer screen. I mean, uh -huh. that's that's the basics of it. But here's what here's what it's got me really excited for our region. Um, the, the whole point of that conference was to bring a global association, the VRA Association, to Orlando, partner up with a Florida-based conference, which is called Synapse, here in Orlando, to both you know, showcase what we've got locally, but also bring global organizations to see what we have here. We we are really at an interesting point in Central Florida where it's not, you know, we're not the new Silicon Valley, right? Because Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley, but we are something special where we have this large ecosystem of companies that are developing applications and solutions in XR using AI and, and we're a hungry area. We're, we're an area where people are hungry to want to be recognized that, hey, we have something here special. And I think we accomplished that. And so I think one of the challenges that, that you know, I used to run a business here in Orlando. One of the challenges that I always faced was that our engineers, our developers, once they had two to three years of experience, they felt they had to go to California to work for, you know, a, a Microsoft or a Unity or something like that. Well, that was because they didn't feel that the opportunities and the companies were here. Well, we're all working on that. We're working at bringing these companies into Central Florida so and, and bringing the jobs here so that people can start their academic career here or their trade skill and then continue to live here and, 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 and be involved in that 
high tech industry. Uh, so it's really an exciting time. And I think that, you know, hats off to David Adelson and, and the team at Innovate Orlando and the Orlando Economic Partnership mm-hmm. for really helping helping organize this as a showcase. And, and this is just the start, right? We're, we're really just at the start of this Meta Center Global Week. I can't wait till 2024. I'm sure it's going to be bigger and better. And it's just going to like South by Southwest, you know, they started off with like 300 people in Austin, Texas, and now it's one of the largest arts and music and technology festivals in the world. So mm. good, good. It's a good time to be in Central Florida. If, I agree. If in the technology and arts industry. Yeah, I definitely can see that. Um, I don't know if you knew, know Sue Bole, but she's with the Serious Play Conference. And I've yeah. gone to those. I'm I'm pretty sure you've been a speaker there. Yeah, in the I know Sue. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I saw a lot because you mentioned healthcare. Uh, I go to ITSEC, so I see it there, uh, how, you know, all of this is being used in that industry. And I also listen to a lot of the speakers that are at the series play conference. Always enjoy those because I learned so much about how it is being used. And I could not agree more with so much of a shortage in healthcare for nurses and just assistants. I can definitely see that there would be more robotic use in there. Um, yeah. Somebody had told me about how they walked into a uh, a clinic um, to go get a, an x-ray done and there was no staff. You just check in on a wall. You just go right on in. Um, once you have checked in, there was somebody that was you know, behind the next door that would say, okay, you're going to go in here and, and greet you that way. But it was... Um, it's a difficult industry to provide solutions with people that need help in healthcare. So, you know, robotics, I could see that going there too. Yeah, no, healthcare, healthcare. And plus the other thing that's good about Florida is we do have such a large elderly population. People move here, large hospital networks. So, so we're a good market for developing the technology and then putting it to use or working together with the healthcare industry to create the solutions that they need. I just had the honor of going over to Dr. Robert Masson's, the Masson Spine Institute here in Orlando. I met him at the conference and he's using augmented reality in his surgical suite today. This is not a, hey, we're building this, come look. He's like, no, I'm I'm using it today to help my team, my surgical team be more efficient. And I got to witness that firsthand in the operating suite and I was blown away. They're 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 because what they're doing is really about improving workflow and augmented reality technology gives them the ability to do that. So mm-hmm. yeah, very, very exciting time in healthcare for us here in in, in Central Florida. Mm-hmm. Very much so. So what ethical dilemmas do you foresee? I know you touched on some of them. Oh yeah. Oh geez. There's there's you know, look, it's it's like um, I, I think at a, at a high level, it's like where where is it where's the right places to use technology, and to what extent do you use technology? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, you know, the hum, humans are still really important, and you can't solve every human problem with technology. Um, and I think that's the real ethical dilemma. Now, we get into military use. There's a whole other area of of who makes the decisions about what things to to do. Um, and that's way above my pay grade, but I definitely think mm-hmm. it's something that, you know, we need to, we need to be mindful of, um, and make sure that we got controls in place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing really that, that I, I think the area that I'm concerned about is more about information, people's personal information. And, and that's not an XR thing. Um, but it, it does, you know, when you're using, if you if you have augmented reality glasses on and you're walking around, you're capturing data, you're capturing images, and you know people can learn a lot about what you're seeing and what you're doing. So we just we just got to make sure we got good checks and balances in there, and not overreact too too mm-hmm. much on one side or the other. Mm-hmm. Okay, so best mentoring advice. I know that um, that ethical dilemmas was like yeah, filled with yeah. really good mentoring advice, but do you have something? I, I think I think you know I, I think the best mentoring advice for for young people that are looking at you know that are still in school or just start find mentors. Go don't don't be shy to ask. Look, people people that have been through 30, 40 years of of, of business or education, they want to share their knowledge. They want to share their experience. Mm-hmm. 
and and don't be afraid to just go ask and say, hey, I, I would like to talk to you. Can you answer some questions for me? Um, okay. I mean, people, people want to share, but you know, people aren't gonna, you know, like I'm not going to go out and and try to find students that I can help, right? <laughs> but if someone comes and says, Hey, can you give me some advice on this or help me with this? Absolutely be glad to, or point them in the right direction where somebody else can help them. Yeah. I assume that you guys are going to be at the upcoming ITSEC conference, right? Oh boy, of course. We can't miss ITSEC. No, no way. Um, do you guys also show up at IAPA? I know that's a right around. IAPA, yeah, I'll be at IAPA, I'll be at ITSEC. Yes. Now we may not, you know, we're not going to have an association booth, but there will be a lot of our members that will have their booths that we'll be going in and supporting. Gotcha. Well, how can people reach out to you? We always provide uh, your LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn, please reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, and that's another advice that I would have for, for folks coming into, you know, coming out of college or into the workforce is LinkedIn is really becoming a very, very powerful professional networking platform. Yes. Um, and I've, I've been encouraging both my sons to, to really, you know, get on LinkedIn, use it, get connected, develop relationships. Um, and um, so that's the way I would say if people want to reach out to me is, is reach, reach out to me through LinkedIn. And what is the website for VRAR? It is www.thevrara.com. www.thevrara.com, one word. V-R-A-R-A, the V-R-A-R-A.com. There we go. And it's a national organization, right? Oh, it's global. It's a global organization. Global. We have all over the world. Um, we have 60,000 people on our distribution list, about 7,000 members. Um, we're really the we're really trying to be the the association for the XR industry, right? Where people that want to learn about the technology, that want to do business, go. And, and that's what associations do, right? It's supposed mm -hmm. to be a uh, and, and we're trying to get very focused on XR. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, John, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on the show. And I just, uh, I'm so thankful that I got to have this conversation because it's, it's hard to get FaceTime with you because you're very popular. There's always uh, well, a, a circle <laughs> of people around you. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it, Isabella. And I, and I appreciate everything that you're doing. And, uh, you know, anytime you need something, please feel free to reach out. I sure will. Thank you so much. You're welcome. We want to thank our sponsor, Cat5 Studios, and thank you to our video team, Gabe Laporte, Tommy Myers, Andrew Pigott, and Julissa Hurtado. Music is by Charles Lawrence Lee, and you can visit Employers for Change at www.e4c.tech to learn how you can create real diversity and inclusive culture while scaling your people for the future work. Thank you for supporting The Intern Whisperer by subscribing to us on Podbean, our Employers for Change YouTube channel, or streaming from your favorite podcast channel.